Hello and welcome to What Goes Bump of the Night. I'm your host, Riley Clark. And I'm Trevor Jensen. And we are back with another episode, episode 28, the eighth episode of the Does It Go Bump series. Bump, 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 bump. As requested, we are back with more stories for your earlobes. <laughs> your ear puffins are getting wrecked today, boys and we got girls. A, we got a very good one for you. I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean, well. I'm always excited I for mean, these. Just, just the title is going to get you off your seat. Off your seat. And your feet moving. I, I mean, I hope it would. I hope it gets you running. Yeah. Okay. Without further ado, <laughs> <laughs> the title of the story today is... There's Big Money in Homicide. Posted by E. Paul 13. Okay. And once again, this is off the No Sleep Reddit forum. If you want to go ahead and find these and read them, they're all available for you. Like I said, there's Big Money in Homicide. All right. The radio crackled to life. All units, we have a report of shots fired in the 800 block of 15th Street with the mail on the ground. Caller is hysterical. Victim reported 1039. Not good. 1039 means dead. I glanced at the clock. 2.50 a.m. My shift was over at 3. Great. The headaches never hit hard. It's a slow, unrelenting onset. I answered with a couple of aspirin. The radio scratched on and off with various patrol cars acknowledging the dispatch. I could hear muffled sirens blare to life in the distance. I massaged my temples and waited for the phone to ring. This might be a good time to tell you. I never wanted to be a cop. I most certainly never wanted to be a detective. Growing up, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad. Things really took a turn for the worst when I was in high school. He didn't need to explicitly tell me it was an unsaid acknowledgement between the two of us. My diploma would serve as my eviction notice. If I'm being objective, I could admit that I was as much of the problem as he was, probably more so. Hindsight, right? Regardless, he and I were simply incompatible, and it created an insufferable toxicity. My senior year crept up, and I had to come to grips with my mediocre GPA. I was a burnout or a loser. I was disinterested. School was just never my thing. College looked more of the same. So as graduation crept up, I didn't know what to do. I kicked around the idea of blue collar work. I was indecisive. This uncertainty is what led me through the door of the Marine Corps recruiting office. This monumental life decision wasn't planned. It wasn't a calculated or informed decision. Countless veterans have a story similar to mine. I had been at the movies with my then-girlfriend when the most spectacular commercial aired for the Marines. It was the usual shit. A bunch of geared-up Special Forces-looking guys leaping out of a helicopter to badass music rocking in the background. It appealed to me because I was a member of their target audience. A stupid teenager without a plan. A few empty promises by a young staff sergeant in a crisp uniform was all it took, and my signature was drying on a bunch of forms. I could barely comprehend. The enormity of what I'd done wouldn't hit me until I stepped off the bus on Paris Island. 
It wasn't until a drill sergeant spittle sprayed across my terrified face that I had the same thought that every military member has had since the dawn of time. I've made a huge mistake. After I made it through boot camp, the corpse turned out alright. I was lucky. I managed to avoid infantry and landed a job as military police, a glorified security guard. After the terror and bewilderment of boot camp, I welcomed the mundane and boring duty of guarding the chain-link fence against the would-be intruders. I made it through the enlistment without firing a shot. Back then, I called that a disappointment. Today, I call it a success. I got out of the military when my contract expired. And back home, finding myself once again without much of a plan. I would up at my local community college for a while. I didn't much care for a degree, but money talks, and that GI Bill is money. My grades improved with my newfound self-discipline that the military afforded, but I was bored as I chipped away at the random assortment of classes. I was watching a horror flick one night when the most spectacular commercial aired for the police department of our neighboring city. Car chases, foot pursuits, tackling bad guys, and you guessed it, Badass music rocking in the background. The works. Sound familiar? What's the old saying? Fool me once, shame on you. In the moment reminiscent of the Marine Recruiting Office, I found myself at the police academy signing application paperwork. The smiling face was wearing a police uniform rather than a Marine one, but the vibe was nostalgic nonetheless. Compared to boot camp, the academy was a joke. I breezed through it, and in no time I was cruising the city streets in a squad car, getting in on some real action. Those were good years, moments of excitement, adrenaline, the occasional terror, car chases, foot pursuits, catching bad guys. I loved it. I did good as a beat cop, probably because I didn't have too much ambition for advancement. I just didn't care that much, and I was satisfied with where I was. I wasn't achieving some kind of childhood dream or fulfilling a destiny. This was just a paycheck, and it was fun. Handling radio calls, getting a gun arrest here and there, life was simple. The problem with government work, however, is if you're good at something, they'll move you. That's how I wound up in the miserable detective bureau. It's the same pay rate for 10 times the stress, responsibility, and alcohol consumption. It isn't even a higher rank like it's in a bigger department like NYPD or LAPD. It's just a lateral transfer. I have the same authority as a uniform that handles noise complaints eight hours a day. Why did I take the job? Well, I didn't have much of a choice. It's hard to say no when you're in a cramped room, getting stared down by your police chief and three of his captains. So here I am, years later, still working burglaries and thefts in the same cubicle. 
It's tough to describe unless you've been involved in criminal investigations, but suffice it to say that it's consuming job. It's all-consuming. Even only working property crime, you're never really off. You'll spend your weekends thinking about an interview or a piece of evidence you need to send to the lab or answering emails on your phone. You think the divorce rate for cops is bad? Take a look at detectives specifically. I think I'm the only guy in the office that isn't divorced. And... That's only because my fiancé walked out on me before the wedding. Our oldest veterans are Dave and Al, and they work exclusively homicide, the big leagues, and they call it. They were hired together in the late 80s or early 90s, nobody knows exactly when. They were partners in uniform, and they became detectives together. They're inseparable. They look down their noses at lowly burglary detectives like me. All right, so I just want to interrupt real quick on the story. See. So this guy was a Marine. Now he's a cop. Yep. Now he's a detective. Doesn't really hates his job. sound like he's with it all the way. No. Like he money, doesn't money, want money. to do it anymore. It's just for a paycheck. Hopefully, I'm thinking now that we're introduced to new characters. What is it? Dave, Dave and Al are Dave the homicide Al. boys. Now we're going to start learning about something. That's the big money. I think now is the tipping point of this story. Where do you think the story is going to go, though? They're murderers. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. I don't know. I hope it takes a crazy left. Let's see if it does take that crazy left. Paranormal? Deadly? It may not be a promotion, but homicide is big money. Police departments are typically stingy with overtime, except when it comes to murder investigation. In the industry, a fresh body is a blank check. Unsolved killings make bad news, and police chiefs do not like bad news. The solve rates in a city like this are miserably low, but the administration can at least cite men hours spent on investigations. I peeked over my cubicle wall and I could see Al standing up and donning his signature fedora. Dave has a matching one. Guys would take jabs at them, their hats, and ask if they still use magnifying glasses to look for their clues. But Al and Dave were unmoved. Their fedora is a symbol of another era in policing and investigating. They wore them with pride. Al visibly jumped when he saw me. Hey, what the hell? I thought you were on vacation. Al's voice was raspy from decades of cheap whiskey and countless packs of Marlboros. Plans fell through, I said with a shrug. I was supposed to be in Ocean City with some friends, but COVID-19 took care of that. He stuck an unlit cigarette between dry lips as he trailed toward the exit. You can head home, kid. If you find out they stole his necklace, we'll call you. Dave's already out there. And he's going to meet me there. The door slammed shut behind him. Asshole. It was my turn to jump when the office phone started ringing. Criminal investigations. I mumbled as I picked up the phone. 2.59 a.m. It's an old detective trick to sound as miserable as possible on the phone. It makes everyone think you're, that you're too busy. Wake up! Don't you listen to your radio? A thoroughly irritated patrol sergeant barked. 
Relax, Smith, I yawned. Yeah, a dead guy, I heard. Al and Dave are headed to you now. Try not to let your guys fuck up the crime scene too badly this time. I heard that the last one was a doozy. How do those two idiots catch all the murderers when they don't solve shit? You know they both cleared 130000 last year with all that overtime? They're going to bankrupt the city. Yeah, I know. I stiffed another yawn. What's the solve rate look like? Smith put in to be detective a few years back and he was turned down. He's still salty about that. Fuck you, kid. I chuckled. Fuck you too, Sergeant. Have a good night. I set down the phone with a weary smile. There will always be a rivalry between uniforms and detectives. It's just a way of life. I grabbed my radio and headed out. When I got to the 15th and Franklin, I turned left down the crime scene. Rather than going straight toward home, I could use a few hours of overtime. If I could con Dave Rowell to let me help tonight, I could canvas the block a little bit and maybe try to find those washed up detectives, a witness or two. I wanted out of burglary. Maybe not the big leagues, but I was bored of property crime as I was with high school. I could see the flashing red and blue from a block and half away. I had to squint when I got closer. Must be a slow night. At least half a dozen cruisers were parked haphazardly all along the street. I parked just outside the crime scene tape and was stopped by a uniform. Stanton. I worked with him for a month or two on the street before I transferred out. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Cops only. He said as I approached the bright yellow tape. Some curious neighbors were leaning off porches trying to see the latest dead body laying in the street. Very funny. How'd you end up with the crime scene entry log? You get punked by a rookie? He laughed as I ducked under the crime scene tape. Ha ha. I could see Dave and Al conversating over the corpse of a teenager. The matching fedoras were fitting in, settling, such as this. Their rumpled shirts that had seen too many murder scenes. I whistled softly as I got a better look at the victim. His head was mostly gone from his eyes up. Broken bits of skull reflected the flashing red and blue of nearby cruiser. Thick congealed brain matter splattered the asphalt. The kid's eyes were still wide open, face contorted into death's very own oh shit expression. Shit, mumbled as I surveyed the grisly scene. Think he's gonna make it? What the fuck is he doing here? Growled Dave. He turned and limped off dragging his left leg behind. He had been shot in the late 90s, and it never healed properly. Well, nice to see you too, old-timer. I took out my notepad and clicked my pen. One of these days, you guys are going to have to solve something. I figured I'd give you a hand. Al and Dave exchanged glances. It was an odd vibe, a very uncomfortable one. Fuck you, pigs! I heard someone shout from outside the tape. Yeah, yeah, fuck you too! I called back with a sarcastic wave toward the sidewalk, taking the opportunity to break the awkwardness. Al put a hand on my shoulder. Listen, kid! I'm 36 years old, Granddad. Kid! Al's expression dried up under my humor quickly. His nails bit into my shoulder. Go. 
We got this. It's no problem. I could use the overtime. I nervously clicked my pen. Something was off. Go home. I'm not going to tell you again. Get off my crime scene. Okay, Al. No problem. I stuffed my pen back into my pocket. Banter was coming amongst detectives, but this wasn't banter. This was open hostility. Unnerved, I ducked under the crime scene tape and trudged back toward my car. As I reached into my pocket, I grabbed my keys. Something caught my eye. The soft white glow of a ring doorbell camera. I decided I'd look up at the video. It was too far away from the body to have caught the actual shooting itself. But maybe it picked up a suspect or a witness, like I said. I wanted out of burglary. Maybe Al was testing me, seeing if I'd back down or run off with my tail between my legs. Besides, what could have hurt? I banged on the aluminum screen door. Feeling the headache ebb past the aspirin and make a comeback. I could see tiny little nicks all across the door. The butt of an expandable baton. This house was no stranger to the cops. The door opened to reveal an elderly Hispanic woman in a bright pink nightgown. She didn't look shocked or surprised. She looked sad. It's at these rare moments that I can feel some emotion creep past my hardened cynicism. This might be a shitty neighborhood, but some of the people out here are decent, and they're just stuck. They watched a bad neighborhood get worse and worse, helpless to do anything about it. Sorry to wake you, I said, clearing my throat. <clears throat> we had a shooting up the block. I'd like to take a look at your camera. I'm with the police department. I pointed at the softly glowing doorbell camera. Come. She said with a thick Spanish accent, taking a step back to allow me inside. I followed her into her living room, where an old CRT monitor sat atop a flimsy card table. It was hooked up to an early 2000s e-machines desktop, vintage. It was turned on, and the Ring's videos were up on the screen. Already investigating? I asked with a smile. I heard the boom. She said, gesturing with a finger gun. In this neighborhood, people know what a gunshot sounds like. You see anything? I asked, already knowing the answer. She was shaking her head no before I finished the question. She clicked play, and we both leaned in to watch. The screen, the screen flickered as I watched a car drive past. Motion activated? I asked. She nodded, pursing her lips and squinting her eyes. I glanced at my watch. Maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Yeah. She pointed at a silhouette on the opposite side of the street. It was difficult to make out with the quality of the ancient screen. What about it, I asked. This right when it happens. Watch. She tapped a fingernail against the glassy and clicked play. Blood rushed to my head and I felt a warm tingling. My hands started shaking. The silhouette was wearing a fedora. But there was more. The figure had a limp dragging his left foot behind. The figure shuffled out of camera view and seconds later I could see a soft flash like a muzzle flash.
the headache came back. And this time, it came back fast. Are you okay? Her voice sounded far away and distorted as though she was underwater. Do you mind if I download the video onto a thumb drive? I heard myself ask the question. She stared at me suspiciously, probably noticing how strangely I was acting. She got off the padded dining room chair that had been repurposed as a desk chair and pointed to it. I don't remember copying the video or saying goodbye, but the next thing I knew I was ducking back underneath the crime scene tape. I couldn't keep up with my thoughts as I spiraled down the rabbit hole. Dave and Al had been working the ghetto murders for decades, with virtually non-existent solve rate, easily and believingly, blaming uncooperative witnesses or a lack of evidence. They always partnered together on their homicides and they were our most experienced guys. No one questioned them. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Trevor, you predicted the future. I am an esper. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope. It sounds like, well, I'm not saying that we they did. We didn't read this. By the way, we didn't read these before. We are. We just pick it by the title. We are exactly where you are in the story. Yep, we read it as you read it so it sounds like not saying that they did because it was just on the video that he hasn't confirmed that they are killing people he's just being like i saw some weird stuff on the video that looks just like you a limping fedora like wearing goddamn right leg dragon yeah and then a muzzle flashing and then a cinderella wearing what the hell are you doing here Pretty much. Like, yeah, that's a Cinderella shoe if I ever seen one. He, he put the slipper on, wore it, and then got fucking caught. All right. But we haven't seen it yet. But we haven't seen it yet. I don't know. There are going to be more of this than we're It's going thinking. left. And then we're taking a right. And then we're going down. And maybe up. Yeah, might do a loop-de-loop on the way through. Do a loop-de-loop and <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Let's, let's get back to the story. In this industry, a fresh body is a blank check. I felt bile burning against the back of my throat as I fought to keep my lunch down. You know they both cleared 130000 last year with all that overtime? Sergeant Smith's words echoed in my mind. The thumb drive bit into the palm of my hand as I clutched it. Hey! I could hear a shout from somewhere in the crime scene. Hey! Closer this time. I looked up as I opened the driver door, and I saw Al duck the crime scene tape, hurrying toward me. Hey, I told you to go home. What the hell are you doing here? I slammed my door shut and started the engine. You find anything good? He yelled, flicking his eyes to Stanton, who was still disinterestingly guarding the crime scene. Al's eyes were that of a cornered animal. Desperate. Wild. Crazed. Or was I imagining that? What'd you find? Spittle flew out of his mouth as the last word hit a higher pitch. I slammed my car in reverse and peeled out, leaving him. <coughs> I drove around the city aimlessly, trying to force the thoughts up from my mind. It couldn't be possible. Dave and Al murdering people and investigating their own homicides as some kind of overtime racket? This was crazy. Totally insane. But it made sense. 
The more I thought about Dave and Al, the more I realized how secretive their investigations were. I'd always chalked it up to territorial and competitive alpha males, the trademark of any city cop. They didn't want a mere burglary detective sniffing around their cases. But now, I saw it all differently. Were Dave and Al both in on the office when a murder came in? I couldn't recall a single instance. One of them was always out and about when the dispatch went out over the radio. Most of the murders in our city were in high crime neighborhoods, infested with gangs. The prevailing no-snitch culture made investigations difficult. It made it not impossible. If this wasn't problematic enough, our county DA is timid, on a good day. The more serious the crime, the more evidence he wants to bring charges. He does not want to be embarrassed at trial, so he'd sooner decline charges, citing a lack of evidence and insufficient witnesses. There are endless plausible reasons to why murder doesn't get solved. Most of the time, there isn't even a pressure from the victim's family. They'd rather take care of it themselves. We also had a staggering number of home invasion homicides where there is no possibility of a witness. A horn blared and I nearly missed being T-boned by a pickup truck. I could barely make out the middle finger in the foggy darkness. My head spun. The sun was creeping up by the time I found myself parking in the front of my apartment building. I had a suspicion, but not proof. A grainy video showing a guy in a fedora wasn't definitive evidence. I tried to tell myself that it wasn't true. This was fatigue, overwork, or I was acting like a nut job. The evidence was circumstantial, but I knew I felt it in my gut. And any cop worth his salt trusts one thing, his gut. I desperately tried to think of something, anything, that would exonerate them of all these wild suspicions. I couldn't think of anything. I trudged up the stairwell, my thoughts hammering against my skull like a violent storm. Could this go further? Our shift sergeant bought a new BMW last month, sparking a few comments since he loses so much of his paychecks to child support and alimony. The captain supposedly bought a boat last year. How big of a conspiracy did I just stumble into? I fumbled my keys with shaky hands, cursing under my breath as I tried to regain control of the unlocked door. Door hinges groaned as I pushed my door inward. I took one step in and I stopped. The hairs on my neck stood up. My eyes were still adjusting to the dark living room, curtains drawn, but I caught a suitable but distinct scent. Marble cigarettes. I drew my firearm. I stepped inside, letting out a shaky breath. The faint stench of a stale cigarette was evaporating, but it was there. One hand dropped into my pocket where I felt the metallic body of the thumb drive, a reminder that this was all real. I waited in the doorway, handgun trained on the black hallway. I stood in the dark deep silence with my blood hammering my eardrums 
someone was inside waiting after what felt like an eternity i heard the faintest thump and a soft drag thump drag thump drag it came from the depths of the apartment and it was coming slowly toward me i backed out of the apartment and i fled back down the stairwell I'm hiding outside of the state for now while I figure this out. I have no idea how many people are involved in this or how deep it goes. I do know one thing though. I have to keep moving. I have at least two homicide detectives after me who have decades of experience hunting and presumably killing people. I'll try to post an update at some point, but if you don't hear back from me, Assume the worst. Holy shit. Murderers. Serial killers. Yeah, it presumably. That sounds like the whole department screwed up and involved in this somehow. I just love these stories where it's like, you could relate it to today's like day and age it almost. It says that it was going on like right now, COVID yeah, co- era. Yeah, because of COVID era. Nah, man, like, I don't, I don't even know how to think about it because it's like, that shit could be so real. Like it could be, and it's messed up. That's the that's the scary truth. And in it. To, we didn't pick this story because of the topics that are going on. In the I world. thought it was going to be like monsters. We literally have a pile of stories, and we just were like, wow, this one sounds interesting. Let's read this one. Yeah, and it just so happened that it's like, I I thought they were going to sell bodies or something when I read the title. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something way... Like black market cringe. Weirder, I guess. But, yeah. I but mean, serial killers, just Not a cop on the beat telling us about how detectives... so they can get checks. Yeah, detectives To investigate kill. their own murders. What? That's like some Dexter shit, bro. It's worse than that. It's like... Because they're just killing to kill. It just makes you think, you know, like, are cop quotas? Like, you know, like, did that, is that how they actually get paid? I mean, I feel really dumb for asking these questions, but I have no idea. I don't know how detectives get paid. Because if you if you get paid, if he's per saying case, it's like how it is in this story, it's a body of page body's a paycheck. Yeah, it's a blank canvas and a bank check. A what? Like what? Are you kidding? Like that is not how that should work. That's not how society should run at all. No, like that's scary to think. Like. Especially how this story just lays it out there for you, like, black and white. Like, yeah, these two old guys have made it work for so Again, long. Again, we're not saying this is a real story. Not at all. actually happening. It's just on the form. No no sleep. I just, form. it just, it blows my mind that it's, like, it's so relatable that it could be real. Like, it's it's not even out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. Most now, of the shit we read is. Let's get to the seriousness of the topic that is this story. Does it bump? Uh, yeah. I, it's not like the creepy, creepy bumps that we get with the monster stories, but I think this bumps just because it's like, holy shit. Murdering cops, bad. Very bad. Bad, bad, bad. So we're going to give it the seal of approval and... I love that. (laughs) That is a great song and a great way to tell our fan base and to 
make sure everybody knows how hard this shit slaps. Because all we bring is heavy hitters. <laughs> yes, we do. And you can find those hitters on Spotify, Podbean, SoundCloud. The hopefully iTunes really soon. Hopefully Pandora soon. Hopefully iHeartRadio soon. Tune in. Maybe Stitcher one day. I don't remember. Maybe if that's Stitcher. A, yeah, I don't know. Someone stole our title on Stitcher. So Go to Facebook to that out. and you will find out exactly what we're on because it's all there for you. Yeah, and you can find videos there. Hopefully more live videos in the future. Live and direct. Right to your ears and earlobes. Ear muffins getting wrecked. Yeah. Okay. Hope. I mean, what more is there to say other than I hope? There isn't a giant conspiracy of people trying to kill us. I mean, let's be realistic. There are. <laughs> the government is definitely a thing. So, But that's for another topic, another day, another Riley and Trev talk possibly. And I just want to say thank you guys for being the best fans that we could possibly have. And keep your eyes open for the merch because that shit here and coming. We're recording this episode in the past, so you might already be wearing it. Who knows? I see the future. Okay. Well, without keeping you guys around too much longer, remember, folks, to keep your ears and eyes Whoa. open for what goes bump in the night. Bad boy!